Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. by the Saints for a touchdown! Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! We are Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Happy to be back off the holidays. Hope you had a great one. Uh, Now getting ready for a Saints team that has two games left in the regular season and still have some chances to make the playoffs who's happy are you happy i'm not happy what are you talking about i'm back in louisiana i have a <laughs> tailbone you don't even know about that steve doesn't even know about that uh only people who are watching on youtube really know about so steve uh when i was recording the podcast in the hotel room in la Uh-oh. i i accidentally fell down with the mic on but the camera was off and so everyone heard me like wipe out in my hotel room because the chair like rolled out from behind me. So, yeah. I'll I'll send you the audio. It's uh it's a doozy. High comedy. Yeah, it's uh, you'll have a good time. Um but no, yeah, I mean it's no one's happy. No one's happy. Uh and you know, the, the only the only the only thing that feels better, slightly better is that there's a lot of NFL teams right now with unhappy fan bases, right? Like it's like uh, it kind of feels like 80% of NFL teams don't like their teams at any at, at any particular moment and this season is no exception. But I think the Saints are probably down towards the bottom of that group as they should be in terms of like, I I guess not down towards the bottom, up towards the top in terms of in terms of merited frustration and and vitriol toward toward the team, because it's just it's it's not great. But so this first segment, I want to get into kind of like, okay, where are the Saints? Like in just not not in this season, really, just in terms of like in the NFL, like where are they And, and why? Why? Why are they the way that they are, right? <laughs> um, second segment, I have this one. Like, there's a lot of issues with this team, but I have one big issue that, in terms of something that I just cannot get just get behind it and, and feel like it's going to get better anytime soon, and and it's the biggest problem this team has um, when it comes to actually finding a way to improve. Um, so we're going to get into that. We have some audio from Deuce McAllister and Brian Baldinger that that I think kind of gets to that point. And then the final segment for those who uh, you know celebrate uh 
playoff scenarios. There are some playoff scenarios, right? The Saints are not eliminated. They're going to keep trying, right? Like that's the thing that you hear people say, well, why don't they just tank and lose their final two games? Well, no team that has a potential road to the playoffs is going to sell themselves short in that regard, right? Like they're... There's this idea that, well, they're going to protect their draft pick. Nah, you don't do that. Like teams, it's a very, it's honestly like you talk about tanking. It's very rare to see a team actually tank. It has happened. You have seen it. Week 2020, the Eagles did it, right? right? In Doug Peterson's final game, because I think there was probably something coming from the top down saying, if you don't lose this game, you're fired. You got fired anyway. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but so there, there are some scenarios and we'll go through them just so everyone's aware of them. They're unlikely. You don't, you're not going to feel good about it after you hear yeah. it, but we are going to go through that. So that'll be the final segment. We'll get into it. But this first segment, you know, I, I guess we, ha- we haven't talked to you after the game, Steve. You, were, you were, weren't feeling well, so I just rambled on my own. But, you know, kind of what, what are you – what is your kind of state of mind right now as it, as it pertains to, to the Saints? Uh, that was definitely another punch to the gut on Thursday Night Football. I knew it was going to be obviously a difficult matchup going out west, short week an L.A. team that had been putting things together, and they really looked impressive against the Saints. I mean, uh, right now, after that matchup, I would say in the NFC, folks should watch out for that That Rams offense, obviously pretty deadly with uh, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, and uh, Kyron Williams, and, man, Matt Matt Stafford looked like he had the the fountain of youth back there. But another problem was he had way too much time to, to get rid of the football and then just, uh, you know, once again, we go back to the inconsistency, consistently inconsistent team of not showing up early on in games, too little, too late. And just, yeah, it was just um, a performance that it looked, the final score was not indicative of how that game turned, what was actually played out. No, I, I agree with that. And, you know, it's funny because you look at a Rams team that's eight and seven. And, you know, I would put that in the category of good teams the Saints have played, right? Because yeah. they haven't had that many. And that's why you look at this season and it's particularly frustrating because you haven't had the 49ers, the Eagles, right? These teams that, you know, you should feel like, okay, well, they lost, but this is a really good team and blah, blah, blah. You really haven't had that, right? Like you put the Rams in that category, you put the Lions in that category, and I'm really not sure. Maybe the Bucks. maybe the Bucks is a team you'd put in that category, another eight and seven team, but one that's playing well, even though yeah. at that point in the season, the Bucks weren't playing well, right? Like they were... I think they followed up that Saints win with three or four consecutive losses, right? Or like four or five. I, I can't remember. But like either way, that's a team that you could put in that category. And here's the thing. The Saints weren't particularly competitive in these games, right? Like when I look at this team and my major frustration, and I've always said this, like I don't – you can't win a game in the first half, right? Like you can't win an NFL game in the first half. It's never happened in the history of football. But you know what you can do? You can lose a game in the first half, 100%. You can lose a game in the first half. And I would argue that's what the Saints have done in a majority of games against not even the good teams, but the upper echelon middle-tier teams, right? Like the the Jaguars, the Texans, the Vikings, right? Then you have the Bucs and the Lions and now the Rams. All of those games, you got out to slow start. You got behind by double digits in the first half and then – you know, I think this is a team that does – this is a Saints team that does play reasonably well as the game goes on. They make adjustments, and you have veteran players, and and they play with pride, and they make these closer games than they probably could have been. But you already lost that game in the first half, right? Like, when you when you have to find a way to come back from, from a three-score deficit, 
you know, that just doesn't happen in the NFL. And when it does, it's incredibly rare, right? Like you don't, you can't make a living coming back from double digit deficits in the NFL. And that's what the Saints have had to do. And, you know, so earlier this season, you know, we had a podcast where we talked about, okay, there's this huge glut of teams in the middle. And you can't as a team just say, well, we're in that group. And so we just need to figure out how to get, you know, how to, how to improve out of that group. Like you have to figure out where exactly you stand in that group. And, you know, we've had, we've had some comments in terms of like, okay, you know, are the Saints a middle tier team? And, and they absolutely are a middle tier team because you've seen them play. Like there is a low tier in this, in the NFL, right? You have teams like the Commanders and the Giants, right? And the Cardinals and the Panthers, right? The Patriots. Right. And these are teams that the Saints have beaten. And what makes the Saints team misleading is that not only have they beaten those teams, they've beaten those teams handily, right? Other than maybe the Titans week one, that was a close game, um, but it was one that you won on your terms, right? Panthers week two, you know, it came down to an onside kick, but you won that game on your terms pretty much. Other than that, you've you've won, you've beaten the Patriots easily. You've beaten the Giants easily, right? You beat the Bears, like people will say it was a close game. It wasn't that close, right? Yeah. Beat the Bears pretty handily. Um, but that's it. That's the only thing you can look at this season and say, well, that's how it was supposed to go. Because it, that's those are the teams that you beat. You've proven that you are above that tier, but you have proven nothing else. And if anything, you've proven that you are at the bottom of that middle tier. If you look at the you look at the Saints, the winning percentage of the Saints. Okay. If you look at the games the Saints have won, they are there's seven games come against teams with a combined record of 30 and 60. Mm. They have one win against the winning team, and that is the Colts at eight and seven, a team with Gardner Minshew. So it's like he is the cheat code. If you're playing like an old school PlayStation game, like left, left, right, 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 left. You know, in the NFL context, that is the Saints playing any team that Gardner Minshew is the quarterback of. It doesn't matter how well they're playing. It doesn't matter what they've done the rest of the season. The Saints will beat that team. That's it. That's the only thing you can point to and say the Saints have done that well is just they beat Gardner Minshew wherever. Minshew's number, <laughs> right? But then you look at the and you look at the games the Saints have lost, and there is a combined record of sixty four fifty six. Right, so you have lost to a lot of middle of the road teams. The only team you've lost to with a good record is the Lions. Everyone else is eight and seven, seven and eight, whatever. And so, like to me, that's that's the story of this team. Is it's a team that is decent enough to beat bad teams, but it is nowhere near good enough to beat good teams. And it is right on the fringe of being able to beat middle of the road teams, but still not good enough. And when you look at a team that feels like it's making decisions and has been making decisions based on winning right now, that's not good enough. And you cannot, you cannot continue to do that. You cannot continue to operate in the way that you have. Um, we can talk about Dennis Allen. We can talk about Pete Carmichael. I think that's a conversation to have next week, right? Like, I don't think we we need to spend all of this week talking about Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen or whatever their job status because they're right. getting to the end of the season. But I think a lot of your decisions are going to be informed by how things look over the next two weeks. And and frankly, I would be shocked to see the Saints go out and be competitive against the Bucks in Week 17. I will say, Jeff, there was that report. I don't know if you touched on it at all in the last pod that I missed about Tom Pelissero saying that Dennis Allen's job 
seem to be pretty much safe unless like things went totally awry in the last two games. Yeah. And one of the reasons I, I don't want to really talk about it too much this week is because there is a lot to dive into. And yeah, what would end up happening is we would just completely just derail talk everything. To talk about that. I got you. But I think like what's going to be the conversation toward the end of the season. And, and I want to devote a lot of time to it is it's not necessarily about whether you move on from Dennis Allen. It is what's the best road for this team going forward. And that road has Derek Carr on it, regardless yeah. of where you place it for at least one more year, that road has Derek Carr on it. And so when you're talking about what, what's the best option, whatever court coach you're trying to court, whatever coach you're trying to bring in, look at what is established and tell me why that's an attractive place for that coach to be. Right. And so yeah, I think to me, and, and, and you're looking at it like, okay, how can we change things up so that if and when we do change coaches and change whatever, that it's that it's a scenario where someone can walk into it and feel like they are not booby trapped, right? And totally so, agree, and again, right. like we can talk about this more next week, and I think it, like that'll be a much easier time to talk about it in terms of we'll have known what happened in this Bucks game because this is a big game, right? If the Saints come out and look good and they beat the Bucks on the on the road and suddenly you're at eight and eight and you're looking at it, like I don't think that changes a ton, but it does at least negate the idea that you're going to go out there and lose by fifty, right? And if you do lose by fifty and the the team qu- looks like it's quit and whatever, then that you know that informs a lot. Of, so I I think there's a lot, but but I just think you know from a from the perspective of how do you kind of pull out of this out of this death spiral that you're in. It's not a one season thing. It is a multi-season thing. And it's going to come down to how do you change up your methods, right? Like you can bring a guy back, but operate like the Bucks did, right? And I think that's going to be a big part of the conversation is like, look at how the Bucks operated and how they made sure not to hamstring themselves for this season to try to win this season. And I think that's how the Saints, like you could maybe find a way to be competitive next season, but it has to come without trading up and giving up assets to go all in right now. It has to come without taking on bad money, right? And and that's what the Saints haven't done. And I think more so than the, than the I think it, as importantly as the coaching decisions are, it is the front office playbook Hmm. and how they operate, right? Because I think you've gotten to the point where you have to consider, okay, what assets can we pick up? How can we reset the deck to some extent? Because I don't think anyone who's looking at this in any outside of the terms of, I don't want to get fired is going to say, okay, stay the course. You're improving. Because like, what? look at this team and tell me, where are they better than they were last year? Right. It's not about where are you per se. It's where are you right now and how can you improve? And, you know, one of the things I, I said this this week as I kind of half paid attention to football because it was Christmas weekend. And I just want to thank the Jags for not forcing me to spend too much time on Christmas Eve watching that game is like I, I tweeted that, like, OK, the Jags and the Saints seem to be competing with each other for who can disappoint their fans more in a patty cake division that is hmm. that was just set up to win for by anybody with a pulse. Right. 
And someone said, oh, the NFC South is way was way easier to win this season than the AFC South. And I disagree with that completely. The AFC South was the Jags to take, and they completely bungled it to the point that they're still trying to – like they, they, they could still lose that, right? And this is a division that you had a bunch of rookie quarterbacks that are now hurt. You know, Anthony Richardson was out, right? You know, the Titans, they gave up basically with Ryan Tannehill. The difference is – you look. It's not that the that it was more difficult to win this year. It's that the AFC South is littered with young, up and coming quarterbacks, and the NFC South is littered with broken down ass bang quarterbacks. Right, <laughs> right. You're talking about Taylor Heineke and, and Desmond and Desmond Ritter and and Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr compared to Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis. Like that's the difference. It is the trajectory. And right now, the Saints. Their trajectory is down. And you mentioned, you know, uh, uh, the playbook for the front office. And I think there's a lot of fans right now when you're looking at Derek Carr's contract and this team going all in, like you had mentioned, trying to, to, to make something happen this season. And the Bucks were kind of just like, ah, eh, we'll give Baker this deal and, and see, see what, what he happens. can do. And he's he's turned out to be this, a spark plug for them. And I don't think a lot of us expected that. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't think the Bucks. I don't think this core of the Bucks is necessarily the long-term answer either. But the fact is, you're not tied to any anchors when it comes to this core for the Bucks, right? If you wanted to move on from Baker, you could do that with no issue. And the Saints yeah. have not, well, cannot do that with Derek Carr. They just can't. And it's like you can draft a young quarterback and you can develop them, but it's not like you can say we're going a different direction. You can't. Because there's just no like that you're you're that that money is is toast like you're it's sunken, so at best you are looking at a different structure around Derek next year, but in no way are you looking at it like well we're just gonna tear everything down and start from scratch because what are you gonna pay him thirty million dollars to go away? That's not better, right? So that's, and that's what makes it frustrating, and I understand why people are annoyed by that, uh, but you know it's. It is what it is. And that's why it's, you know, you look at it and you say, yeah, we're on par with a lot of these teams in the NFL in terms of like, well, this team's not good. This team's not good. This team's not good. And we're somewhere in there. But a lot of these teams you're trying to compare yourselves to are teams with young quarterbacks and young developing players and this and that and this and that. And where the Saints are is staring at a bunch of missed draft picks, guys who can't get on the field. Yep. And those are the players who you're supposed to be looking at as the trajectory upward type people. And you can only look at a handful and say, okay, Chris Olave's Chris Olave's good. That was that was a good draft pick. Right. Pete Warner, while I don't think this has been his best year, is still a guy who you can you can have as your kind of core group to build, right? Paulson Adebo, you know, he's a he's a core piece. Marshawn Lattimore is very good, but he's still, he's getting older. So it's like, he can't be part of the rebuild when it inevitably happens. So you just don't have those. Like you, you don't have those pieces that you're like, okay, this is the future. And we're going to find a way to massage this current group into that future group. Cause there aren't enough pieces to turn that. Right. And you don't have enough money to go out and make meaningful free agency signings to add to that. And so, I mean, from the top down, I think there are some serious issues that need to be ironed out. And if you're not willing to commit to that, to commit to those changes, then I don't see how I don't see a way for this to improve. That's kind of where I'm coming at here. 
Yeah, and I know we're definitely going to get a lot into this the next segment, but the, the biggest thing is so many misses with those high draft picks along the defensive and the offensive line. Not not seeing Trevor Penning at all this season has been disgraceful to me. Yeah, well, like the beginning of the end in terms of feeling good about this, this draft system was 2018, right? Like you had the great draft in 2017 and then... You know, you said, okay, Marcus Davenport is our heat check guy, right? And from that point on, you just have not hit at all, you know? Um, and I will, I will say, uh, uh, Brzee, I, I'm not, I'm not, I think has been okay. Yeah. But, well, I mean, sure, but it, it's still like, okay, you know, he's, he's one of those pieces, right? He's yeah, one of yeah. those, okay, we have a handful of pieces that feel like a functional young roster, but only a handful, right? You're not looking at, you know, beyond the secondary. Right. You know, you're, you're not looking at any, any group on this team with that isn't, that isn't mainly populated by veteran players who, whose best years are probably behind them, you know, wide receiver and the secondary. Sure. Like you could talk about, you know, Rashid Shahid, Chris Olave, A.T. Perry, I think that's a group that I, I like. Secondary, you have Marshawn, you have Adebo, you have Taylor, who got, Taylor benched, who got benched. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't think that, like, I just think he's an outside corner, right? And so, you know, this is going to be a conversation we're going to have uh, as we get into the offseason. I don't want to have it now, but I'm going to tell you right now, one of my takes going into the offseason is trade Marshawn Lattimore. If you're trying to get up for that quarterback... I mean, I, I don't know. I, and that's the thing. I just don't think his value is going to be as high as anyone thinks it's going to be because of his contract and how you've restructured it. But I just think that there's going to, this is the, when I get into this offseason, one of my main rallying cries is going to be collect assets. <laughs> collect <laughs> assets because that is what teams in the state that the Saints are in right now have to be willing to do. When your trajectory is not upward, and it's flat to down, which I don't know how anyone can look at this team and argue that it's the trajectory of this team is is up. You have to collect assets and build through the draft. You have to, and and this next segment we're going to get into one of the one of the main reasons that is. But like asset collection, do it. And like when people say tanking, I, I disagree with the idea of tanking. I disagree with the idea of you're putting a team on the field that you that you think will lose. Like you're trying to lose, but asset collection is a completely different type of of rebuild than what people seem to think and just drop all the way to the bottom, draft the quarterback, come back up. That's what the Colts did, and it worked. But it's like that's once in a blue moon that doesn't happen. But when you can build up your asset collection and you can have maneuverability so that maybe you can get to the top of the draft, maybe maybe you can go get that guy. That's where the Saints have to be looking to. And whether you fire the coach before you start doing that or you give DA one more kind of lame duck year and and maybe he finds a way to, to turn this around, you can't continue to just dig the hole deeper. You can't. You have to start digging your way out. And that's, you know, I, I mean, we're going to talk about a lot over the next two weeks. There's going to be a ton in terms of maybe the Saints do find a way to to kind of to, to finagle their way into the postseason or at least have a chance to do that in week 18. But it's not going to change what we saw this year. No, and I, I think, you know, we've talked about it a lot. There's how, how much has really improved from a year ago. Uh, it, it's hard to really 
put a finger on anything except I, I was thinking about it. Maybe takeaways. That might be the, a bright spot cons- from last year to this year. Yeah, but takeaways, like, I get the idea that they're going into it and you're saying we need to get better at taking the ball away. And that there's a skill involved there, but it's also a level of randomness that you cannot say that's our identity, right? They, they tried to say, the DA tried to say that's our identity. Well, yeah, but you can't always be a takeaway. Like, takeaways help and being good at executing and, 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 and pulling them off, that's great. But what happens when you can't take the ball away? Right? right, And in the games, the Saints have not taken the ball away this year, which is an inevitability. They have been destroyed. You look at the Bucks game, week four. You look at the Vikings game, week 10. You look at this game, this past game, week 16. Like When they can't take the ball away, they've got nothing. And what that says about you is you're not very good. You're not a good defense, right? If you can't just play defense and win, you're not a good defense. And <laughs> I mean, no, that, that, that's been a I, huge I just, disappointment this year because obviously it's like, oh, the Saints, you know, they hang their hat on the D and the hats fall into the ground. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was the, the excuse last year was they don't take the ball away. Well, okay, this year they have taken the ball away, right? They've lost games this year where they've won the turnover margin, right? <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it is what it is. And we're going to, we're going to get into more of it. But lots of, let's wrap up this segment here um, and we'll come back. This is Inside Black Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're going to talk about what I consider to be the biggest issue that that you, I cannot reconcile going into to, to the offseason, going into the final two weeks, whatever you want to say. Um, we'll dive into that. We'll hear from Deuce McAllister, Brian Baldinger. But this is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, y'all, for listening. We'll be right back.